G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Stuart Beveridge is the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team Regional Manager for both Australia and New Zealand. Stuart, a special welcome along. Good morning, Neil. It's wonderful to be with you here in Batemans Bay. This is my fifth time back here as the deployment has rolled on, uh, surrounded by a wonderful community that are so uh, thankful that they have not been left alone. People are here to help them. Well, let's just uh, preview what we'll be talking about into the next hour. Stuart is our guest through most of the hour. There's a few little things we'll be talking about uh, in between, but Stuart's the guy who travels not only around Australia, but into those disaster zones in New Zealand. In fact, he was on the ground quickly after the Christchurch shootings. Uh, He's uh, the guy who was preceding all the activity that comes with the support in the Townsville flood. And he's been a part of the spearhead of what happens when you get that help into those communities with all of the bushfire activity that's proceeded from Queensland down into New South Wales and no doubt uh, those zones in Victoria too. Mm. Uh, You travel a lot, don't you, Stuart? I do. Yeah, I do. My wife uh, said to me around Christmas time, Stuart, you've been away for 180 days this year. That's a long time to be away from family. Uh, but she is supportive and my family is so supportive. My church is solidly behind us because they understand the impact it's having of having somebody present on the ground to care for people in the aftermath of trauma uh, so they know they're not alone, that God is with them, that God has not abandoned them, that they're not being punished, that this is a broken world we live in and bad things happen. But no one should be left alone in the aftermath of a crisis. Crisis is what we'll want to really enlarge on over this next hour. And really, we've got an expert in crisis going to be talking to us through this hour because not only the crisis that comes with natural disaster and dreadful things like mass shootings, uh, but the crises that are happening in our lives, overflowing, and then something happens... And that intensifies everything that's going on. And that affects us all in different ways. You've seen the worst and the best in all of these situations, Stuart. But uh, you've seen the worst and bad things happen when there is a natural disaster. I try it, especially when people lose hope. When people think to themselves, I've got no one to stand on. I've got no one beside me. There's no one who cares. What am I even doing here? Uh, it's, it's often overwhelming for them. They feel fearful and, uh, and feel like they have no hope. And people will do desperate things when they, when they know that hope is, is nowhere to be found for them. Uh, people will contemplate suicide. And unfortunately, that's a reality even in the aftermath of these fires, that people are contemplating ending their life because they feel like, I have nothing to hold on to. It, it, again, Neil, why it's so important that we have crisis-trained individuals, chaplains who can stand amongst a crowd, who can stand with the individual, let them tell their story, relive the stress in a healthy, productive way that, that reminds them, I'm, I'm not alone. Uh, there is someone who cares enough to be present. And as chaplains, because we know that God is present in every situation, we have that incredible opportunity of sharing the hope that we've discovered, often through our own stories of hardship, uh, of being able to say, yes, and God is with you today. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. 
and we get incredible opportunities to share that hope with other people. And for listeners, let me just whet your appetite for the sort of conversation that we'll be having in just a short while because I want to ask you Mm. about this effect that crisis has on us uh, because we travelled yesterday, uh, the team who were here from Vision, uh, a couple of hours south to the town of Cabago where they lost 400 homes in that one town and uh, there were two lives lost in that town. But what I discovered, and I'll get your impressions, Stuart, but what I discovered yesterday was a family shared with us that they know of some elderly folks in particular who were quite vulnerable after the fires and on a number of occasions they've heard of deaths that happened after the fires. So the death toll, the official one, is people who have been killed in the fires. But the crisis and the stress and the trauma that comes from the natural disaster is taking lives in the aftermath of a bushfire. I'll get your impressions about that. But that's still to come this hour as we are broadcasting live from Batemans Bay today. Wonderful opportunity. 2020 is on the road. We're meeting some wonderful people. We're telling the stories. We're partnering with Samaritan's Purse at their natural national natural disaster relief unit headquarters here in Batemans Bay. And my special guest is Stuart Beveridge. Now, Stuart is one of those extra special people because when there is a disaster, who is it that gets called on to go there straight away to survey the scene, to work out a strategy as to how a support service can come in and mobilise the churches to be a part of what can be a part of a sometimes lengthy recovery process. But it's got to start with someone. And Stuart, you are the guy who is called upon. You're the spearhead. I'm one of them, that's for sure. Yeah, I work for the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, which is the emotional and spiritual care arm of the Samaritans Purse Deployments. And we are a team of chaplains who get quickly to the place so no one is left alone and that's so important Neil because crisis is overwhelming and people feel overwhelmed Uh, so having people in that area to care for them straight away and quickly um, yeah it's a privilege to be there but yes my phone does ring at strange times and and I generally have a little bag packed and ready to go. You're packed and ready and when the phone rings you just know where that number comes and <laughs> you've got to respond. Yeah. And when you respond, I mean, here we are in a bushfire zone, mm. but you get called on for all sorts of disasters. Yeah, and just to, I mean, I don't know how we can explain this quickly, but you were at the Sutherland Springs disaster in Texas where a shooter came in and almost shot everybody in a local church in Texas in the U.S., and uh, and you were somewhere close on hand. Give us a little you know, sure. idea about the impact that had on a community. Sure. I mean, imagine being in a, in a community of 400-odd people, uh, five churches in the town. It's Texas. Uh, but five churches in town, services are going on as normal, and this enraged man runs into the back and just starts cursing and swearing and, and just started to open fire. And uh, in a church of 50 people... 27 of them were killed outright 20 were injured and had to be hospitalized surgeries recovery everything else that had come with that and so only two or three people made it out of the building without being injured directly but everyone was traumatized the entire town was traumatized and uh, so being there in in that space is about letting people just talk about their trauma it's it's knowing that even though they're looking over their shoulder while they're talking um, they're actually just spilling out everything that they've been through. It's, um, 
it's an overwhelming space to be in. And yet, with God being present, our help and strength, He helps us to know when it's time to speak and when it's not. He helps us to know how to listen and let an, a hurting person share their story because they're actually debriefing themselves uh, by sharing their story, talking about the facts of what happened and the feelings of being out of control and the fear um, is, is a way of normalizing themselves in the situation and saying, I'm not alone and I'll get through this. And Stuart, just shortly after that dreadful mm. church shooting in America, you were called upon to go to New Zealand where the Christchurch shooting, uh, absolute devastation there. Uh, give us some insight yeah. there into what happened where you were called upon. Sure. Well, I was actually up in Townsville at the uh, flood recovery in March last year and I was coming home to have a week at home for my family and the plane landed in in town in Brisbane on Friday afternoon on the fifteenth, and the um, as soon you know when you land you turn your phone on and all of a sudden my phone just lit up. There was messages all over the place and the news and everything else, and so it was a matter of going home, having dinner with my family, grabbing my passport, booking a flight, and being back at the airport to be back on the ground so that I could connect with the local churches, which are the lifeblood of the community, and uh, connect with them and build a resource team that we could work together and care for people. Um, of, of a different faith, of a different background, of a different cultural understanding and yet human beings who God loves and is passionate for and passionate about. And, and where else would, would we be but standing alongside fellow humans in their time of need? And when you're with the organisation, the Rapid Response Team, which is the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, you wouldn't expect anything less than, here's the team coming in the name of Jesus. Uh, to be a blessing to that community. But as you say, uh, people from all different walks of life, they're not necessarily all churchgoers, not even necessarily all of any sort of Christian, cultural, traditional background, but because because you come in the name of Jesus, doesn't matter who's there, you're there as a minister of the gospel. Yeah, we certainly are, and it's practiced in, in word and deed, and being present and showing compassion to people. Uh, often the, the way we start a conversation is through a simple question. Uh, can you tell me where you were when this happened? Do you know anyone that was actually involved? Uh, and we want them to know that they're being cared for. So we'll ask questions like, um, how are you sleeping? Yeah, how are you going, really? Yeah, we need to break through the, the, the public story, the veneer, and help them to share their private story. Of I'm incredibly anxious or I have realised this about myself. I, I need to be in closer contact with others around me or, or some of my life is, is out of order and I actually need to put steps in to, to make so that I might be a better person or a more connected person or, or whatever it is. You know, trauma often has the effect of helping us grow as human beings. Um, sometimes we just need a really bright light shone in our lives that we might see what's going on. So being a part of that, helping facilitate that and encouraging the church to stand with their community in a public and a compassionate way. Yeah, I, I delight in seeing how God takes the worst that the world can throw and and seeing that there is there is hope and, and that people can find hope in the midst of a critical situation. So, Stuart, it's one thing to have the trauma of a town in crisis when there's been a mass shooting. Mm. But then there's the trauma of a bushfire crisis. Mm. Is the trauma any different? I mean, is trauma trauma no matter what circumstances you're in? I mean, the, yeah. the, what you've seen over the years, is sure. there much difference? Um, I think the easiest way to answer that is to have a look at your own hand and see that you've got individual fingerprints. 
And that's the reality for trauma and how we respond to it as humans. It doesn't so much matter what's caused it. Each of us react individually and uniquely to trauma. We all have different effect. We all have different uh, ways of dealing with it and, and trying to balance it. And it depends on our life experience and our resilience and what, what place faith has in our life and, and uh, yeah, how emotionally connected and balanced we are. Um, so, yes, there, there are differences. Uh, but the reality is that, that uh, all of us, um, feel out of control. All of us feel anxiety, and all of us are looking for hope, and and that's really what our chaplains bring. The the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team is about being present in the aftermath of a crisis, so that people don't feel alone. They can experience compassion of of another human being being with them, and they can explore those questions about faith and and meaning, uh, and about what is my life about. Um, and all of us can be a part of that. Stuart, is it the case that when there's been a bushfire emergency, that there are those, of course, when you're losing everything, your house has burnt down, you are traumatised by that event. But if you're in the house next door or the house down the street, you're still in crisis, even though you haven't had the same trauma as that person who may have even lost a loved one. But give us some insights here into your understanding of what's going on in a community when disaster comes, because there are those who are traumatised and those who are in crisis. And I think you like to actually uh, uh, embrace everybody in that sense of we're all going through the crisis. If someone's hurting, we're all in that crisis. Yeah. Neil, you're right. We can look at it as a community. And we can look at it as the individual standing in front of us. As a community, everyone's life has been thrown upside down. Um, whether, like after the 2013 floods in Bundaberg, you know, there was only a part of the city that was directly affected by the flood water. Uh, but there was other people on the other side whose lives have been thrown upside down because all of a sudden, you know, the town, the town is in turmoil. The roads are cut off. Bridges are closed. Um, the main street is an hour-long journey when it's normally only a five-minute journey sort of thing. Um, you know, the supermarkets are empty. You know, that's that community-wide response. Um, a bit like what we're seeing right now with coronavirus. You know, the supermarkets are empty and everything else. Some people are, uh, are in that crisis mode of, I've got to protect myself. I've got to be prepared. Um, and there are others who it doesn't affect quite so much. Um, and when you get down to that individual level, then, the, like you said, someone's home is destroyed. That is devastating for the people. And, you know, we're here with Samaritan's Purse who are going to do everything that they can to help people prepare for what comes next. You know, help clean the site off, get rid of the, the damaged trees and, and, you know, clean up the site so that a new beginning can, can begin. Um, but we're also working alongside people as chaplains who are maybe living across the road and is, you know, badly nothing happened. And they're dealing with survivor guilt. They're feeling like, why did that happen there but not here? You know, what, what is going on? And, and for, for both of them, the, the person directly affected and the person who's been a witness to it and is feeling such compassion for their neighbour, you know, there's all the other things that are go, going on under the surface. You know, the, the relationship strains, the, the financial worries, the, the health issues, or a, a, a recent loss or a bereavement, um, an addiction that's threatening to blow up in someone's life and, you know, cause, cause havoc there. And, and chaplains ask questions and, and build relationship with the person standing in front of them because we want them to feel safe enough to talk. 
not so that we can build up a dossier on them. That's not what it's about at all. It's it's about caring for the individual and saying, where where's the need in your life right now? How can how can I just help support you in the next step? Because everyone ultimately is on a journey. You know, we want to help them take a healthy step forward on that journey. And you know, yesterday I took a little bit of time to encourage listeners to be a part of a Samaritan's Purse team when there is a disaster that comes to their community. And you know, sometimes people are actually volunteering, they're taking time off work, they're, or if they're in retirement years, they're saying, well, we're going to be at the disposal of Samaritan's Purse. When there is a disaster, we'll go and be a, a volunteer. And I do want to make sure that listeners today know that they can be connected to, to Samaritan's Purse. Now, the website is the place to connect. Uh, both to become a volunteer or to make a donation. But for those who are thinking about volunteering, samaritanspurse.org.au. samaritanspurse.org.au. Jot that down, make the connection, and you may not be called on straight away. Uh, You may be set in motion into some preparation for how you might be effective if disaster comes to your community. Mm. But what an amazing ministry this is to mobilize the church Uh, those churches in towns where disasters happen, so that the church knows what to do and is able to respond when the need is there. Mm. Uh, You know, Stuart, yesterday went for a drive a couple of hours south of Batemans Bay uh, to the town of Cabago. 400 homes there raised to the ground uh, by the bushfires. One of the worst affected areas in the whole nation. Got a lot of publicity, in fact, uh, in the headlines, those things that were happening in Cabago. People lost their lives. The trauma and the crisis that comes to a community like that, and I wanted to raise this with you because something I discovered that we didn't expect that we would discover is that after the fire, and if there are people who lose their lives we discovered that there were some anecdotal stories of elderly people in particular who were a little perhaps more vulnerable who had died because of some health-related effect that came with the crisis. Mm. Are you familiar with this sort of thing happening, uh, Stuart? Yeah, because crisis doesn't finish just because the fire's out or because the water's gone down. Uh, crisis is an ongoing response because until there is a settledness in people's thinking and in, in their way that they're going about life, you know, it's a bit like being on a seesaw. You know, crisis pushes you right off to the edge. And uh, the longer you stay there, the more distressing it, it is. Um, and yet for, for people who've, who are vulnerable uh, or are um, you know, a little older, uh, and so the resilience and strength, uh, health can be a challenge um yeah it it adds to that i mean i, I know as as a younger guy uh you know i could run for miles you know and i did every day for years and years um i i'm i struggle to run five kilometers now you know because i'm a little older and my systems don't work as well as they can and it takes me longer to recover um you know for, for certain members of the community um, you know there are vulnerabilities and so putting them in a high stress situation like having to run from a fire having to sleep in a crowded room filled with other people and in being um, in a space of well is my home okay is my family okay um, you know, are my pets okay um, is incredibly distressing for people um, on a physical level and an emotional level and yes you're right it does it cr- creates stressors that our body is becomes incapable of handling well 
and um, they, they become so vulnerable and it, it can do incredible damage. You know, our talkback line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, and you might be in a bushfire community and it's not like there are only a few. There are 131 communities, particularly the east coast of Australia, that have been deeply affected by bushfires. You might have your own thoughts that you'd like to express. You might have your own story to tell. I do want to invite you to be a part of the conversation. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 to join in. Uh, Stuart, families that are going through time of crisis, mm. can you do any sort of self-assessment? I love this sort of yeah. idea of, well, how do I know if I'm stressed? What about my children? Are they going through a time of stress here? Uh, is there any sort of self-check you can do to say, well, are we okay? Mm. Um, yeah, trusted community, trusted friends, like your closest circle, are the ones who, if they're honest with you, will tell you how you're doing. Um, but for me, uh, one of the questions we often lead with is, um, how are you sleeping? You know, um, if, if people are, are awake reliving the event for hours at, at night, um, yeah, they need some support. Um, but knowing what they're sleeping like is, is a bit of a diagnostic question. So is uh, asking the question, well, how are you going, comma, really? You know, just, you know, it's like us Australians. We say, how are you going? The standard answer is going to be good. Yeah. You know, but saying how are you going, really, is an invitation to push past the surface down to some of those deeper soulish emotional health sort of issues and and give someone the freedom without judgment to be able to say this is how i'm really going Um, the reality is that all of us respond in a way to trauma that is in some ways predictable and is normal Um, what we're doing as human beings with anxiety loss of appetite um, feeling irritable um, crying at the drop of a hat um, or getting angry over situations we don't normally um, they are normal ways our body processes stress. That's what we're having is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. So being aware of that and allowing people their freedom to say, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing too well today, is a way of caring for them. Now, you like to train churches mm. to have people who are readied and uh, to take on some level of chaplaincy-style role. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether it's individuals into their community long after you're gone, or whether it's people who are available to be deployed in an emergency situation, uh, you like to train people. Let me just uh, give a a little insight here. This is, uh, I've got in my hands now, uh, a training program, which is a one-day training So uh, it's intensive, but it's called Sharing Hope in Crisis. Mm. Just quickly, you like to promote this. Yeah. And uh, people can be a part of training programs. Uh, Keep your ear to the ground when Mm. one is coming near you. Don't miss it. That's right. Uh, The value of this sort of thing, Stuart. Yeah. So this little book here is is, uh, a package that was prepared in the United States quite a few years ago as a way of helping people understand the psychological, emotional and spiritual impact of crisis. Because, Neil, the reality is people gather in church on Sunday but then go off into the community on Monday and they, the people that they work with, that they play with or do life with are facing some level of crisis. And how many of you have heard that, com- that 
conversation starter, you'd never guess what happened to me over the weekend or guess what happened to our family over the weekend. And knowing how to appropriately care for someone means knowing what questions to use, what things we can say that actually build the conversation and deepen trust and what things actually shut a conversation down. And knowing the difference and the right way to ask those questions or make those statements gives a, an opportunity for, for any individual, any follower of Jesus, just to be an appropriate and compassionate responder to a work colleague, a neighbor, a friend. We're not trying to be clinicians. We're not trying to be counselors. We're simply saying, I know how to create a safe space so that you can feel okay to talk about the pain that you're experiencing right now. And of course, we also want people to know we are the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. We want people to know how God's hope of the gospel fits into this conversation. Not every conversation will be a gospel conversation, but we don't want to miss it and be able to share it appropriately when that opportunity comes. So we talk about that in this training as well. And I know it won't be lost on so many listeners uh, to have that idea of an Ephesians chapter 4 equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry that this sort of program would have for preparing people for dealing with the crises in your own church, in your own wider community, and if a natural disaster comes, when you might be called on for the broader community in a very much deeper way. Samaritanspurse.org.au to find out how you could register to be a part of one of those trainings. And I know there's some coming up. Well, there is. We're preparing for one in Townsville this year, and we are preparing for one in Sydney. Uh, If you want to know more about this particular course, go to Billy Graham. .org.au and click on what we do and look for the Sharing Hope in Crisis uh, web link there. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.